Welcome back to this week's episode of The Emily Show. Today we have some updates and then a scandal with a major fashion brand over an ad campaign and some of the items in it. And since there is now a lawsuit and one of the scandalous items is a Supreme Court ruling, we're absolutely going to talk about Balenciaga today. Now, that will touch on some sensitive topics, of course, and I will always, always do my best to make sure that those are not graphic in nature any more than the topics are going to be because it is dealing with suggestive images of children, court cases dealing with images of children. And so as we get into the Balenciaga case, we will be talking about that subject matter, though really the focus is not just about the scandal and the public outrage over this ad campaign, but over the fact that Balenciaga is now suing in part because of the outrage, because of a Supreme Court case. And that is a very odd place to be when you're the company that approved the photos suing the production company of the photo shoot. And we'll talk about it. But we also need to talk about some of the sentencings that have happened. I've been covering them over on YouTube, but have not touched back in on the podcast. And that is Elizabeth Holmes's sentence and the Chrisley sentences. The three defendants in that case were all sentenced. And now we have what I didn't have when I addressed it over on YouTube are the documents and the minute orders from the court. So we have just a little bit more details. So I will be touching on those quickly at the top of the show as well. Stay tuned. There's a lot to cover. If you are here, that's fine. If you need to timestamp, we will timestamp when I switch topics. And I always swoop before I switch topics, unless the ADHD gets me and I forget, but then my editors added in for me. So you will know as we're switching topics, what we're getting into. And it is, it is, we just, this is what we're talking about today. Emily, are you procrastinating and uncomfortable a bit? The, the Supreme Court case that is underlying this lawsuit, which is a weird thing to say because the circumstances are so odd, and I will detail them more, is just the facts of that case are disturbing. And we're going to talk in a pared down way about those underlying facts because it's part of why the brand is so pissed that they are being connected to it. So with that, I'm going to roll the intro. We're going to talk. We're law nerds. We can have hard conversations. This is the podcast where hard conversations can be had if Emily can get the words out and um, where they don't get throttled the same way they do on other platforms. So yay for that. Let's just, let's just roll the intro. Hey there, welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. Okay, fine. It's officially time to start thinking about Christmas. And you know what? You've got to get those jingle bells jingling. (laughs) And it's time to get ready to unwrap the package that might just keep on giving year-round. And Manscaped will make sure that the package you're unwrapping is ready for you. What we don't need is another Santa's sweaty sack situation. If you don't know what I'm referring to, that's a podcast from a few years ago. Obviously, they didn't have Manscaped at the time. So check out today's sponsor at manscaped.com 
with code LAWNARD for 20% off and free shipping. Get all of the body care goodies that you need. I love the performance package because it has the boxer briefs that Dr. B loves to keep the boys all from jiggling. I think that's what it's supposed to do. It keeps the, the jingles from jingling. And it has my favorite weed whacker that is the ear and nose hair trimmer that I can't stop talking about. But Manscaped also has incredible body care, including a new moisturizing body wash and the foot deodorizer, which if you are looking for stocking stuffers for anyone in your life that has a teen or is just a member of my family, the foot deodorizer is absolutely a 10 out of 10 for me. And they will love it even if they think they don't need it. Thank you, Manscaped, for making sure that everyone stays merry and bright over at manscaped.com with code Lawnard. Let's get back to today's show. And yes, this episode, I am so thankful for our sponsors because I know it's not going to be monetized on YouTube based on subject matter. You might not even really be shown it on YouTube based on subject matter. And that happens when I cover cases that have sensitive topics. They aren't always as YouTube friendly, which again is why I am so thankful for the podcast. So if you are listening on your favorite podcast app, don't forget to leave the show a review. It's how others can find it too. And it gives us a place where we can have conversations that might not always be YouTube platform friendly, but it doesn't mean they're not important conversations to have in full. And this audience knows that nuance sometimes takes time. And Emily takes all the time in the world to talk about things. So let's start with the sentencing of Elizabeth Holmes before we get into the the kind of scandal of the day with Balenciaga. But Elizabeth Holmes was sentenced. If you're watching over on YouTube, I'm going to pull up the uh, sentencing order from the court, which is something I had not pulled up. It was not available on the court website when I covered this, when the sentencing happened. This sentencing happened on November 18th, 2022. From the court's order, we learned that the total time for the sentencing hearing was three hours and 38 minutes, that there was a break in there. It started at 10, 11 a.m. and went to 11.55, and then there was a break till 12.21, and then court went from 12.21 to 2.15 p.m. The court talks about the uh, defendant being present, not in custody. The hearing was held. The court addresses the objections to the pre-sentence investigation report. I broke those down on the channel in the same episode where I talked about the letters in support of Elizabeth Holmes, wherein her partner said that she wasn't just a great salesman. She wasn't that. She believed in herself and her invention with religious fervor, and that made her more of a zealot. Yes, that's what he said to benefit her. Ah, it, it was interesting. But yeah, that episode lives over on YouTube. The court rules on the objections, separate order to issue. So the court will be ruling on the pre-sentencing investigation report objections, which deal with what level the crime should be pegged at um, and other sentencing considerations. And then it says, the court sentenced the defendant as follows. Defendant is sentenced to 135 months as to counts one, six, seven, and eight of the third superseding indictment to be served concurrently. So it is just the 135 month, which is roughly 11 years, three months in federal prison. So that sentence as to all the counts she was convicted of to serve concurrently is committed to the Bureau of Prisons to be imprisoned for the term. Upon release from imprisonment, defendant shall serve three years of supervised release. 
that's like a probationary period, not a parole period, a probationary period where there will be terms and conditions of probation, who you have to check in with, et cetera. Court adopts the probation officers recommended as to the standard and special conditions of release. Special assessment fine of four or fee of $400 is imposed. The court imposes no fine. Note that there will be a restitution hearing later. We will talk about that. Defendant shall self-surrender on April 27th, 2023 at 2 p.m. to the designated facility. So if they've already assigned her to a prison um, or a federal prison camp, she will turn herself in, literally walk up and be like, hi, I'm here for prison. Um, so she will turn herself in at 2 p.m. on April 27th. But the court noted if a facility has not been designated, then she goes to the U.S. Marshal's office and they take her to wherever she's going to be kept. And then all the present conditions of release remain in effect. She is still out of custody. The court makes the following recommendation. The defendant shall be, or the defendant be designated to the federal prison camp at Bryan, Texas. The court finds that family visitation enhances rehabilitation. So making sure that she can visit. She will, she has a young child. She is pregnant with her second. I imagine that the April 27th date gets her beyond her due date with some recovery time. And then the final statement in the proceedings is the court requests counsel meet and confer on a date for restitution to take place. So, and then provide the court with dates. So there will still be a restitution hearing on this. Her co-defendant, Sonny Balwani, will be sentenced on December 7th. So we will see what his sentence is. I imagine it could be more than the 11 years Elizabeth Holmes received. At the end of the day, she's the CEO. He was head of the lab. But you never know if the court found that the statements she made are more egregious, that he was the one telling her we can't keep going this way, he could get sentenced to less. So we will see what the sentencing is for Sonny Balwani. Um, it really, truly, and not that much time from now. Uh, was I surprised is one of the questions I get asked the most about this. It was higher than I expected. It's lower than what the government asked for, but not much. The defense wanted her to work from home. So they were like, just put her on home confinement. So this is a, a large departure from that. And keeping in mind that in the federal system, defendants do serve a substantial portion of their time, typically 80 to 85% of a given sentence. There is no parole. They do earn time if they um, don't cause problems, which I imagine isn't going to be truly an issue with Elizabeth Holmes, but who knows um, if they don't get her green juice right. You never know. There could so I just imagine there generally aren't in white collar crimes. It's very uncommon, but she would earn her custody credit time uh, for good behavior. If she takes courses and participates in rehabilitation while she is there, she can earn more time and get out. It's still going to be a substantial amount of custody time given that 11 year sentence. So with that, we are going to move on, but Keep in mind that this was, I mean, the Elizabeth Holmes scandal not only put people's lives at risk, um, the, the breadth of this scandal and fraud is, is kind of staggering as we go on and look at the sentencing in the Chrisley case. When we're looking at the Chrisley sentencing, and again, uh, Todd and Julie Chrisley of the Chrisley Confessions podcast and Chrisley Knows Best and the, their kids have spinoff reality shows as well, were convicted back in June. Was it June? It was during the Depp v. Heard case. 
So I think the conviction kind of went under the radar a little bit. I've been talking about it on YouTube and a little bit here with regard to the motion for new trial um, that was denied. It'll be interesting to see what happens on appeal. I still have questions about that motion for new trial and the testimony of the IRS agent. I still have questions. I still have questions. And I still have not seen the court's full fleshed out ruling. The court issued kind of a holding ruling like, hey, I'm denying this. I'll tell you more later. We've got to get to sentencing. Understandable because they weren't going to bump the sentencing date and that ruling needed to be in before it, but it's hard to evaluate without the court's whole reasoning. So we're going to go through the sentencing. What's interesting to me is Todd Chrisley was sentenced to more than Elizabeth Holmes, which is a very interesting vis-a-vis the amount of loss in the Holmes case is substantially more than the amount of loss in the Chrisley case. So let's take a look at this minute order from the court. Um, United States District of North, Northern District of Georgia in their district court. The court time commenced at 10 a.m. Court concluded at 6.10 p.m. Time in court, seven hours and 55 minutes. This is for all three defendants, Todd and Julie Chrisley, and then their accountant, Peter Tarantino. It talked about the attorneys present. This is a fleet of attorneys in court um, for the parties. It goes through the court's motions that were ruled on and ruled however they were ruled on. Then the court was called to order, and they kind of gave a summary in their minute order a little bit differently than the court in California did for the Holmes order. Court called to order. Also present during this hearing were special agents Cromer of the FBI, Steve uh I always want to say Wazowski because it's like Mike Wazowski, but it's not. It's Wazowski, um, but it in my brain, it sounds the same. So Steve Wazowski, no shade. It's just once we get those sounds together in my head, I just hear Mike Wazowski because I have children and I'm a giant nerd. Then Brock uh, Kinsler from the IRS, investigators Bill Selinsky, Shannon Dreyer, Vincell, paralegal with the government, P.O. Donna Johnson. That's a lot of people in court. The court reviewed defendant Tarantino's objections, made rulings, and the government withdrew one enhancement from Tarantino's calculation. Court adopted the calculations and findings. Defendant briefly addressed the court. Court and counsel discussed reasonable sentencing. Court granted a downward variance. That means sentencing below what the recommendation was from the guidelines. Defendant was sentenced to a total of 36 months imprisonment with three years of supervised release after $100 special assessment a $35,000 fine and additional requirements. Appellate rights were given. Defendant is on bond and will be allowed to voluntarily surrender no sooner than May 1st, 2023. From reporting, it seems that this defendant is having a hip replaced and will have that surgery before turning themselves into custody in May of 2023. Hearing concluded for Tarantino. Brief break granted. Court called to order. Defendants Todd and Julie Chrisley were sworn. Uh, Garcia hearing held. Parties made representations on the record and the court moved forward with the sentencing. Defendants signed waiver of rights. Waiver of right to conflict-free counsel were executed in court. The attorneys were representing both of them. Court addressed outstanding issues. Court denied motions. Government witness, FBI Special Agent Rosowski, was sworn and provided testimony. Government Exhibits 1 admitted. Uh, 2 through 18 were admitted. Defendant Exhibit 2 were admitted. And then a lunch break. Court denied motion uh, 321. 
and continued with sentencing. So those are some of the motions. The court was going through all of their remaining outstanding um, motions from the parties and granting them or denying them on the record. The court granted a motion, but the defense did not request that witnesses proceed via Zoom. So there was a motion to seal if anyone testified over Zoom, which in that motion had been a request that the kids, um, if they give a statement for sentencing, do so not in open court, but with the courtroom closed via Zoom. Uh, And it looks like that wasn't put forward on the record. So it became moot, essentially. The court reviewed objections and made rulings. The court adopted the calculations and findings. The court and counsel discussed pre-sentencing report and reasonable sentence. Uh, Defense Exhibit 2 was admitted. This is with regard to sentencing. And then the defendants gave each. Todd and Julie gave a brief statement, and that was reported on, and we covered it um, last week, I believe. Court provided justification for the sentence imposed. I'd be very interested to hear more about that. We got some reporting about it. Defendant Julie Chrisley received 84 months of imprisonment, three years of supervised release, $1,000 special assessment, restitution, and additional requirements. Um, Defendant Michael Todd Chrisley received 144 months imprisonment and then three years of supervised release, a $900 special assessment, restitution, and additional requirements. Restitution will be determined at a later time. Both sentences were downward variances. Appellate rights were given. Defendants are on bond and will be allowed to voluntarily surrender. It says not when. So I've seen reporting that that's after the first of the year, but this does not state. So for those of you that are like, how many years is that? For Todd Chrisley, that's 12 years. For Julie Chrisley, that 84 months is seven years. Um, so that is that is where we're at with the Chrisley sentencing. And again, with, with uh, nonviolent crimes, Federal sentences tend to run lower than state sentences, and they tend to be heavily based on the number of counts, the amount of loss, though the amount of loss here is lower, the amount of counts is higher than the Elizabeth Holmes case. Very different types of cases, but still seeing upward of 10-year sentences, which did surprise me. I thought that the court would downward depart a bit more on both of these cases and did not, which I think if you are Jen Shaw pending sentencing, that has now been moved back into January of 2023, though it was supposed to be in November, then December, now January. You have to be a little bit nervous because this seems like a little bit of a push upwards in nonviolent crime sentencing. She has been convicted of wire fraud. Well, she pled guilty to wire fraud. Wire fraud were charges in the Elizabeth Holmes case as well. Uh, Wire fraud on its own carries 30 years when it's just one count. So it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot, and and these this is a lot. From reporting, we know that the Chrisleys asked for staggered sentence where one completes their sentencing and then the other one does uh, to care for children. That is reportedly been denied. So they will both be serving custody time likely at the same time. And with that, we need to get into this Balenciaga scandal. But first, a word from our sponsors. And again, when we talk about difficult topics that are not super platform friendly, I am very thankful for our sponsors. So even though it can feel awkward in an episode where there are difficult topics, it allows us to really freely discuss difficult topics. I can't believe we are almost in December. And one of the things that I find myself thinking about in December as we're coming up on the new year is what are the things I need to make sure that I'm putting in place? 
If that is the adulting that's on your level, life insurance is something that you need to be considering. And it's the perfect time to make sure that you're getting that in place for 2023. The sad reality is that if something were to happen to you, your bills don't just stop and you don't want to leave your family in that position. I know, Emily, why do lawyers ruin everything? I'm sorry. It's just, these are the types of adulting things that I hate thinking about. I feel like nobody ever teaches us, but we have to consider and it can feel like a weight off your shoulders knowing that that's in place for your family, but it doesn't have to be hard. Policy Genius was built to modernize the life insurance industry. Their technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies like AIG and Prudential with just a few clicks to find your lowest price. And Policy Genius has licensed agents that are there to help you not working for the life insurance companies. They don't sell your information so that your private information stays secure. There's no added fees. And with all of that, I'm not surprised that they have thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at as low as $17 a month for $500,000 in coverage. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net and you deserve a smarter way to buy it. Head to policygenius.com slash lawnard or click the link in the description to get a free life insurance quote and see how much you can save today. That's policygenius.com slash lawnard. Thank you for your support of The Emily Show, Policy Genius. Let's get back to the rest of today's episode. So what is going on with Balenciaga? Well, it's two things, really. There's a lawsuit over a series of images, and there is public outrage over a series of images, and then you combine the two together, and there's a lot of outrage about a lot of images. The first campaign group of images have children holding teddy bears that are outfitted in what clearly appear to be, to me, um, at least intimating uh, bondage gear and body bondage gear and fishnet and other things. And the children are in these ad campaigns with it. We'll talk about the brand's response to this, but the campaign images are all over the internet. If you want to go down that rabbit hole, you can. This was put up as what seems to be a holiday campaign for these teddy bear purses Look, I don't understand Balenciaga. I haven't since they tried to sell like a $2,000 version of an Ikea bag. I don't know. I We are not aligned. Um, it's just a lot of times they do riffs on other people's stuff. And I'm like, you just took something from Ikea and tried to make it way more expensive. I didn't understand the sock high heels either because I'm old. I don't wear a lot of high heels. And I look at them, I'm like, would you roll an ankle? Are they comfortable? I don't know. I just, I don't know. Um, but Balenciaga recently has been in the news for uh, immediately cutting ties with Kanye West over anti-Semitic statements that he made. They've been in the news for their close relationship with Kim Kardashian. And then they also dropped an Adidas-Balenciaga collab, which some of these photos are related to, um, which also comes on the heels of Adidas or Adidas, pronounce it the American way, apologies, but Adidas cutting ties with Kanye West as well. So there's a whole lot of like enmeshment of pop culture, celebrity culture, trending news topics going on with Balenciaga. Kim Kardashian has come out and made a statement about the brand, kind of, 
Balenciaga has come out and made a statement about the brand. So we're going to talk about Balenciaga's statement first, uh, which is coming to us from Instagram. Then we'll talk about Kim Kardashian's statement that's been on Instagram and Twitter and elsewhere. And then from there, we will get into why there is a lawsuit, what the what the purpose of the lawsuit is even um, from my perspective. And then we will get into the underlying case that the lawsuit discusses, because that's where we really get into some of the concern with how did this even happen? How did this Supreme Court, this particular Supreme Court decision end up prominently displayed in this brand photograph? And what does that mean going forward? And what does that mean for the lawsuit? So let's look at the brand's statement from Instagram. Um, I screenshotted this today. I'm sure when this comes out, it will still be on the brand's Instagram. They have comments turned off. I'm shocked. They wiped their Instagram. So their social... They had left Twitter when Elon Musk took over and then they wiped their social. I don't know exactly when in all of this happening, because of course this all went down over Thanksgiving week here in the US. So I don't know when in this whole process their Instagram went completely blank, but their Instagram went completely blank. This is the only thing currently up on their Instagram. And it says, quote, we would like to address the controversies surrounding our recent ad campaigns. We strongly condemn child abuse. It was never our intent to include it in our narrative. The two separate ad campaigns in question reflect a series of grievous errors for which Balenciaga takes responsibility. The first campaign, the gift collection campaign, featured children with plush bear bags dressed in what some have labeled BDSM-inspired outfits. That's how the brand says it, what some have labeled. labeled. They are, okay, okay. Okay, with the PR-crafted statement. I mean, of course, it has to be a PR-crafted statement. They are in a PR crisis, but what was the point of the bears then? I don't mind pushing the edge with fashion. Don't put kids in the ads. I don't think that's a reach to ask for, but let us continue. It goes on to say, this was a wrong choice by Balenciaga combined with our failure in assessing and validating images. What do you mean that you didn't validate the images. The amount of people involved in a massive fashion brand's ad shoots, and this was their gift collection. This was their holiday collection. How many people looked at these images? What do you mean our failure in assessing and validating the images? Did you fail to do it or did you do it and think it was fine? I have questions because the failure to validate, did everybody just go, eh? Did nobody look at it? What does a failure to validate even mean? What is What does it even mean? But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. The responsibility for this lies with Balenciaga alone. The second separate campaign for spring 2023, which was meant to repl- replicate a business office environment included a photo with a page in the background. Those are images I will show during this. You get to decide if the image is in the background or not. A photo with a page in the background from a Supreme Court ruling, quote, United States versus Williams 2008, which confirms as illegal and not protected by freedom of speech, the promotion of child pornography. Look, the media has not 
gotten into this case. We're going to talk about this underlying case. This is a very concise statement. I mean, the whole case deals with uh, soliciting and offering for sale images. Um, so it's interesting that they say, well, this, this confirms that it's illegal. It also upholds a statute that's illegal and not overly broad, but we'll get there when we talk about that Supreme Court case. All of the items included in this shooting, I've always heard them referred to as photo shoots, not a shooting, but okay. All of the items included in this shooting were provided by third parties that confirmed in writing that these props were fake office documents. I want to see that. I'm very interested to see the writing. I mean, the lawyer in me is like, okay, but what do you mean by fake office documents? It's not from a real business. It's not like they grabbed it from a defunct business or they grabbed it from a, an active business or another business. There weren't going to be trade secrets in it. I mean, most businesses, a Supreme Court document is not a real office document. So what was meant by fake office documents? I have questions. I have questions because this still might count as fake office documents because they don't come from a real business. It's interesting to me that that's in writing. What else is in this contract? How thorough is this contract between Balenciaga and the production house that they worked with for these uh, for this photo shoot. They go on in their statement to say they turned out to be real legal papers most likely coming from the filming of a television drama. Balenciaga, this is your PR statement. Most likely doesn't help. Why are we speculating? Why are we speculating? You have now filed a lawsuit so why are you speculating about where these, these might have come from? Oh, they're most likely from the filming of a television drama. Mm. It goes on to say the inclusion of these unapproved documents was the result of reckless negligence for which Balenciaga has filed a complaint. They're suing. Look, we are now, for those of you listening on audio, we are now in the second very long paragraph or the third paragraph of this, a much longer paragraph. The only part addressing the images of children is the first two little bits. The rest of this really addresses the court case that they've now filed a lawsuit over. They go on to say, the inclusion of these unapproved documents was the result of reckless negligence for which Balenciaga has filed a complaint. We take full accountability for our lack of oversight and control of the documents in the background, and we could have done things differently. You hired the people, then you approved the images, though. And if you had a lack of oversight, how are you suing them for it being their fault? We'll get there. It goes on to say, while internal and external investigations are ongoing, we are taking the following actions. So lack of oversight, lack of oversight, uh, combined failure in assessing and validating images, and here's the action they say they are taking. We are closely revising our organization and collective ways of working. What does that mean? I, I'm not a PR person. What does that mean? What does that mean? 
We are closely revising our organization and collective ways of working. Is that because y'all thought this was okay? Is it because the people who approved this have been fired? Because you don't say the people who approved this were fired. You don't say the people who said, you know what we need for this photo shoot with the bears are children. Who suggested that in a meeting? And do those meetings go anything like they do when the devil wears Prada? Where is the person yelling and saying, no? Where's that person? Where's the no person? And how did legal approve this? Where's legal in all of this? There has to be legal. Everybody has legal. People have fucking fleets of legal. Did legal ever take a look and go, no, no, no. See, because what you have there are toddlers. See, so that's going to be a no. Legal, legal's losing their minds over this if they were not consulted. And if legal was consulted, I have questions for legal as well. Okay, so they go on. I've tangented. We are reinforcing the structures around our creative process. Do they need to be buttressed like a building? What do these words actually mean? Hold on. I, it's a longer sentence and I've tangented it already. Quote, we are reinforcing the structures around our creative process and validation steps. We want to ensure that new controls mark a pivot and will prevent this from happening again, from choosing to use children in a suggestive advertisement. What were the structures in place before then? What? What? So for those first two action steps, I may I I didn't work in a corporate environment like this. I don't know what that corporate speaking. Can someone translate corporate for me? Because I can't translate corporate for you. This is not legal. This is corporate. What do these words mean? We are closely revising our organization and collective ways of working. You're not telling me anyone's been fired. We are reinforcing the structures around our creative process and validation steps. How did this get out of the spitballing phase? How did this get out of the iteration phase? We want to ensure that new controls mark a pivot and will prevent this from happening again. Where are we pivoting to? All I can see is the meme from friends going, pivot, pivot. Someone in this corporation is like, we thought this was going to be okay. Why is everyone so angry? Quote, we are laying the groundwork with organizations who specialize in child protection and aims at ending child abuse and exploitation. If your company ever has to tell you that they are laying the groundwork, which doesn't say they're doing anything, it says they're thinking about it. We are laying the groundwork with organizations who specialize in child, ch child protection and aims at ending child abuse and exploitation. Are you saying that's what the images do? Why do you need, you're a fashion house. I have questions. We want to learn from our mistakes and identify ways we can contribute. Period. You've contributed to the online discourse regarding what is and is not an okay use of advertising, maybe? Is that where we're going? And then it ends with Balenciaga reiterates its sincere apologies for the offense we have caused and extends its apologies to talents and partners. 
We're sorry that you're offended. Does that ever go well? We're, we're sorry that you're offended. Not we're sorry that we took the photos. Not we're sorry that we approved the photos. Not we're sorry that we thought this ad campaign was a great idea. We're sorry for the offense we have caused. Look, I am not a PR strategist. I don't know a good way to do this. I don't know how a brand does this well. What I do know is focusing a lot on the inclusion of a Supreme Court case and suing over that feels to me like a ploy to take the attention off of the actual images of children that the internet has taken issue with for valid reasons. Um, And again, even on the YouTubes, I am not sharing those. You can go find them if you want to. And again, they are they are marketing photo. They are marketing photos. Plenty of online creators have done deep dives into those, um, including House and Habit over on Instagram has done a great. If you want to deep dive everything that is in these images, because it's not just the kids, it's not just the kids holding the bags. It's not just that. There is more. But our focus for today is not internet sleuthing as much as it is diving into the legal behind it. But this PR statement feels like corporate, we don't know what to say. So we're going to say, we apologize that you're offended and we apologize to talents and partners. Yeah, the talents are going to be really crunched by this, particularly Kim Kardashian, who wears, it seems, online exclusively Balenciaga, is on their website in all their campaigns and The internet demanded uh, that she make a statement, which she shared on Twitter. All right. From the Twitters, Kim Kardashian, I've been quiet for the past few days, not because I haven't been disgusted and outraged by the recent Balenciaga campaigns, but because I wanted an opportunity to speak to their team to understand for myself how this could have happened. That doesn't piss me off. Truly, I know the internet is mad at Kim Kardashian. And y'all, I'm not telling you how to feel. But the taking of time, especially with something this big, never bothers me. It is okay. And I think the internet often requires an immediate response with stuff. And I think it's okay for people to say, I needed a minute to figure out what was happening. And I, I, do, I do truly think that that's fair. I needed a minute to process. The internet might not always think it's fair. Emily thinks it's fair for, for what it's worth. She goes on to say, as a mother of four, I have been shaken by the disturbing images. The safety of children must be held with the highest regard, and any attempts to normalize child abuse of any kind should have no place in our society, period. And it keeps going. I appreciate Balenciaga's removal of the campaigns and apology. In speaking with them, I believe they understand the seriousness of the issue and will take the necessary measures for this to never happen again. That's the but. It's like, this has no place in our society, period. But as for my future with Balenciaga, I am currently reevaluating my relationship with the brand. I would have appreciated it if she had said, I'm currently evaluating my contracts because I think that um, I think that that's maybe part of this or evaluating whether she wants to cut ties with the brand because it doesn't sound like she wants to cut ties with the brand. If Kim Kardashian came out and said, I want to cut ties with the brand, What's the brand going to do, truly? 
fine her for breaching contract? What are they going to do? As for my future with Balenciaga, she says, I'm currently reevaluating my relationship with the brand, basing it off their willingness to accept accountability for something that should never, that should have never happened to begin with and the actions I'm expecting to see them take to protect children. So Kim Kardashian's statement came first. Is that why Balenciaga said in its public-facing statement that they are working with a group to specialize in child protection? Here's the thing. Don't sexualize children. I don't know if you need a like a focus group or experts to help with that. I, I, how? So when somebody was like, how about we use toddlers in these ads? That should have been a no. It's like, I see that you want to push the envelope, but not that envelope. We're not pushing it. Nope, not going to happen. But then it gets to the point of the photo shoots, the layout of the photo shoots. The photo shoot happens. People take the pictures. People set up the pictures. Children model in the pictures. The children have no choice in any of this. Children model in the pictures. And then they do whatever they do to process the pictures, Photoshop the pictures, do all the picture things, and then they get approved, not just for wherever they go in marketing, but also for social media, also for the website. The amount of people involved in this leads me to believe that this could not have been accidental. So it's it's just. So the internet is outraged over the images with the children, and understandably so. Balenciaga wants to focus that people are being mad about separate photos for a spring shoot that had that fake office setting, and that's what we are going to focus on mostly. The first thing we're going to look at is a great article from thefashionlaw.com. The Fashion Law is a fantastic legal blog also has social media accounts, keeps up to date on all the things happening, law and fashion. Law and fashion. All the things happening, law and fashion. Which is, if you are interested in the stuff I do here that covers pop culture, I want a deeper dive, particularly into trademarks and likenesses and all of that. Thefashionlaw.com is a great resource. So let's pull the, up their article. The heading of their article is a Balenciaga, uh, one of the controversial Balenciaga office setting photos that has some questionable books in the background. That is a conversation for another day because it doesn't relate to this lawsuit, but that is the image at the header of the blog. Balenciaga wages $25 million lawsuit over controversial ad campaign. And we're going to take a look at the fashion law article that came out on November 28th. And then I pulled the web or I pulled the lawsuit and we'll take a look at that as well. Well, the notice of lawsuit, technically. Balenciaga is headed to court after realizing two controversial or releasing two controversial ad campaigns this month, with one featuring young children holding plush bear bags who appear to be wearing S&M style harnesses. And another, it's spring 2023 ad, which includes a page from a Supreme Court decision in which the court upheld a federal statute prohibiting the pandering of child pornography. The statute does more than that, but yes, okay. In the wake of significant consumer backlash, including widespread calls for Balenciaga's big-name celebrity ambassadors like Kim Kardashian to boycott the brand, Balenciaga has lodged a contract complaint with production against production company North Six Inc. 
and its agent, Nicholas Desjardins, I think that's the proper pronunciation, the later of whom designed the set for the spring campaign, alleging that the defendants engaged in, quote, inexplicable acts and omissions that were, quote, malevolent or at the very least extraordinarily reckless. According to the summons with notice filed in the Supreme Court of the state of New York on November 25th, counsel for the Keering-owned Balenciaga SAS and Balenciaga America assert that they are filing a lawsuit against North Six, seeking redress for the extensive damages, and we will get into it. The blog then contains an image, the image that we are going to be talking about of a black Balenciaga bag. And then we remember, we all remember a few minutes ago when the apology said in the background, uh, you tell me if this is the background or the foreground of the picture, but for those on the, uh, for those of you listening on audio, I'm sorry that you're driving and are like, I can't see the picture. I'm linking it in the show notes. Um, I will also share links to it on my socials if you want to come to the Fashion Laws um, blog about it because their blog has only the images that we're talking about here. But it has a case file. It's funny because the gray case file under it reminds me of the DA case files from Los Angeles. And then it's got this court case. The court case page is a page from the Supreme Court Registrar. It's arranged such that you can see some of the language of the case. You can see the name and number of the case um, up at the top, the registrar number. So that's how people know it's a court case that's contained in these photos because the internet sluiced were like, oh, there's writing on that page. What is it? There's also a bunch of other papers and files and stuff on the desk under this photo. It goes on in the article to say, as a result of the defendant's misconduct in connection with the SS23 campaign, Balenciaga alleges that, quote, members of the public, including the news media, have falsely and horrifically associated Balenciaga with the repulsive and deeply disturbing subject of the court decision. It's not just because there is a quarter of a page from a Supreme Court decision in the 2023 photo shoot. It's because of the other photo shoot in combination with this photo shoot. This one piece of paper is not the thing. This was not the thing. It was all the things combined together, but that's just my opinion. In the midst of the backlash to the campaign, Balenciaga released a statement via Instagram saying, we take this matter very seriously and are taking legal action against the parties responsible for creating the set and including unapproved items for our spring 23 campaign photo shoot. We strongly condemn abuse of children in any form. We stand for children's safety and well-being. It is not immediately clear what claims Balenciaga has lodged against defendants in connection with the contract lawsuit because that we're not at that phase yet. We don't have a full complaint yet. The photographer who shot the campaign featuring the children and the bondage bears released a statement this week asserting, quote, I am not in a position to comment, uh, to comment Balenciaga's choices, but I must stress that I was not entitled in whatsoever manner to neither choose the products nor the models nor the combination of same. I tried to read that. I did not read it awkwardly. It is awkwardly worded. Um, as usual, he stated, quote, the direction of the commercial campaign and the choice of the objects displayed are not in the hands of the photographer. More recently, Balenciaga released a separate statement Monday. That's the one that we just went over 
Um, so the first statement is not down any, is not up still anymore that was commented on that they strongly condemn the abuse of children in any form. That one I don't see anywhere. Meanwhile, uh, Day Jardine's agent, Gabriella, I am not going to be able to pronounce Gabriella's last name. Apologize, Gabriella M. I cannot stated this past week that her client is being used as a scapegoat by Balenciaga. Everyone from Balenciaga was on the shoot and was present at on every shoot and worked on the edit of every image in post-production. So the agent for the production company is saying they were there and they were engaged and involved. The agent added that the U.S. versus Williams opinion and other documents that can be seen in the ad, quote, were obtained from a prop house that were rental pieces used for photo shoots. Look, man, it's going to be hard for the public to believe the coincidences in that case now that the internet has dug into what that case says. It's just, there's the questionable photo shoots with kids and then there's this that deals with illegal images of children. It, really? The article goes on to say, in what is undoubtedly a public relations crisis for Balenciaga, consumers have been quick to question what many are characterizing as attempts by the brand to shift blame in the situation with no shortage of social media users, for example, highlighting the likelihood that Balenciaga approved the campaign images before they were released and or uploaded to its website. The brand has since pulled the campaigns from its site. It seems especially unlikely that Balenciaga's contracts with third-party creatives, including photographers, set designers, do not include ironclad terms by which Balenciaga has the final right of approval of imagery that bears its name for such imagery uh, before such imagery is released. What happened? Given the typical contract terms for creative projects involving outside contractors and the process involved in releasing ad campaigns by brands of the scale of Balenciaga, uh, in parentheses, it says, from ensuring the assignment of intellectual property rights in the creative work to clearing the images so that other companies' copyright or trademark work does not appear in them without their authorization. What seems likely here is that Balenciaga's team, including individuals like its chief marketing officer, did in fact approve the campaign, both in terms of concept in advance and the final product after it was completed. But what also seems particularly probable is that in approving and subsequently releasing the campaign that the Balenciaga team missed and the relatively hard to spot document that appears to be at the heart of Balenciaga's suit and damages claim. In reality, the U.S. versus Williams document was only really visible to eagle-eyed social media users who spotted the case citation after enlarging the photo. You absolutely have to enlarge it to see it, which suggests that the court's slip opinion was easy, easy to miss when the spring 2023 campaign crossed the desks of Balenciaga's advertising and marketing team presumably just one of many projects they were approved at the same time. Given the likelihood that Balenciaga signed off on the campaign after the fact, and almost certainly without noticing the inclusion of the opinion, Balenciaga may be in for something of an uphill battle in terms of its case against defendants. I think so too. It goes on to say the potentially more intriguing element here is the strategy behind this newly waged suit. Balenciaga may have decided to initiate the lawsuit in order to clear its name, this is my introduction from the article from the fashion law, e.g. the Nike Satan shoes. Remember when Nike was like, hey, internet, stop blaming us for these shoes that were made by mischief 
and promoted by Little Nas X. We didn't make the damn shoes. And nobody really reported that Nike didn't make the damn shoes until Nike sued over, well, should I say the damned shoes? <laughs> Sorry. I just, we have to lighten the mood. This case is so heavy that we're about to get into. Um, Nike was like, oh, we didn't approve the shoes and we're suing over it. We're suing over it. Lawsuits have become PR. Lawsuits have become an arm of PR. Lawsuits need to interstricably be linked with PR strategy. And choosing to sue over this part of this scandal might be an effort to put the attention on this part of the scandal. Look, this production house put this errant Supreme Court opinion in this one photo of this one purse. And that is scandalous. And we are we are scandalized and they are wrong and they have damaged our brand image. Say nothing of the images that we approved, the multitude of images that we approved with toddlers holding the BDSM bondage bears. We're not talking about that. We're suing over this one page of this Supreme Court ruling. It Does it feel like a PR strategy to me? Yes because I don't see where they think they're going to go with this lawsuit without seeing exactly what they're suing over and the contract. How are they going to sue over something that they approved? How? Where is the breach of contract if you approved it? And if it's over fake work documents, that Supreme Court documents aren't subject to someone else's copyright. So it's not as if you're going to get binged for copyright having that in there. It's a public document. You're going to get binged for the content of the document. We're going to we're going to bing 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 real quick here. We're going to we're just going to do that. But I don't know if suing is going to make it worse because if they hadn't sued, I wouldn't have pulled this decision to read and I'm not glad that I did. We're going to talk about it, but I'm not glad that I did because it gets worse. It gets worse in context of the photos that were the tip of the controversy iceberg for Balenciaga and we need to talk about that lawsuit right now. A huge thank you to today's sponsor, Thrive, which is not just a makeup company, but when Thrive spells cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E, it's because they are also dedicated to giving back. I tried out the Thrive Mascara under the most unforgivable circumstances for mascara, and that was the two days that I streamed the Brooke sentencing. The Brooks victim impact statements had all of the law nerds just crying together on the internet. And I will say it is a rare thing for mascara to hold up through all of that and still come off beautifully at the end of the day. I was uh, pleasantly and unexpectedly surprised because we put it through it. All of us put our faces through it for those two days. And I appreciate that the focus is not just on vegan makeup that makes you look great and feel great, but also on giving back to communities with Thrive's Bigger Than Beauty promise. For every product purchase, Thrive gives back to communities and works with over 300 giving partners. So if you are ready to try out either the tubing mascara look, it's called Liquid Lash Extensions, but it coats your eyelashes. And when it comes off, it literally like slides off your eyes with just makeup and water, but didn't come running down my face when I was crying. It's just, it's magic. I, it's probably not actually literally magic, but it feels that way. It's easy to remove. It's a vegan formula and it does make your lashes look 
longer without clumping or flaking, which is the problem I always have with mascara is I end up with bits of it down my face because I touch my face too much. I also love the hydrating lip tint. Look, hydration is key this time of year. It's easy to wear. You can just throw it into your bag and take it with you. It's smooth color that's comfortable to wear all day long. So celebrate the season of giving and try Thrive Cosmetics today. We have an incredible deal for you. Right now, you can get up to 45% off their best-selling products when you purchase select holiday gift sets by going to thrivecosmetics.com slash lawnard. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S.com slash lawnard. And start shopping holiday sets today. Let's get back to the rest of today's episode. The first thing we are looking at is the notice of lawsuit, the summons with notice. This is the the pre-filing, if you will. Hey, you're being sued. This is roughly what we're saying. This is how much we're suing you for lawsuit. That's what this is. This is not a full complaint. It doesn't say breach a contract. It doesn't say exactly what the claims are or causes of action are. It is just an overview you're being sued, you're on notice. The Supreme Court of New York is not their highest court. I mean, when you think of the U.S. court system, in the federal system, you're looking at the district courts and the appellate courts and then up to the Supreme Court. In the state system, the names don't always correlate. In Los Angeles, you get the Superior Court and then the Appellate Court and then the Supreme Court. In New York, the Supreme Court is more like a Superior Court level and their Appellate Court is their highest level court. So don't let the Supreme Court of the state of New York throw you off. That is the first level court for the civil process. This was filed in the commercial complaint uh, division, the commercial contact division. So I'm assuming it's going to be some variety of breach of contract when we get there. It's Balenciaga SAS and Balenciaga America Inc. versus North Six Inc. Nicholas Desjardins and Nicholas Desjardins LLC. Uh, you are hereby summoned to appear in this action by serving notice of appearance on the attorney for plaintiffs uh, within 20 days after the service of summons or within 30 days of the service uh, if after service is complete if the summons is not personally delivered to you within the state of New York. In case of your failure to appear or answer, judgment will be taken against you jointly and severally by default for the amount to be determined according to proof but not less than $25 million. So they're starting with, this is a $25 million lawsuit to start. If you default on the lawsuit, we are seeking a default judgment of $25 million. Please take notice that the nature of this action is as follows. Luxury fashion house Balenciaga brings this action against production company North Six and its agent set designer Nicholas Desjardins, DBA Nicholas Desjardins LLC, which makes me wonder if this person is a contractor or an employee because they have their own LLC. That's business questions. It'll be interesting to see that broken down a bit more in the complaint when it's filed. It goes on to say, to seek redress for extensive damages defendants caused in connection with an advertising campaign Balenciaga hired them to produce. Upon information and belief, defendants without Balenciaga's knowledge or authorization. We did approve the photos though included certain documents in the campaign photographs, including an excerpt from a court decision upholding a criminal prohibition against child pornography. Balenciaga believes that defendants' inexplicable acts and omissions 
were malevolent or at the very least extraordinarily reckless. As a result of defendants' misconduct, members of the public, including the news media, they are outraged, including the news media, have falsely and horrifically associated Balenciaga with the repulsive and deeply disturbing subject of the court decision. It wasn't just that paper, though, that has the brand being associated with the subject matter of the court case. It's not just the paper. If it was just the photo with a black purse sitting on files that had a quarter of a Supreme Court case, if that existed in a vacuum, somebody might have been like, yo, that's odd. That's a weird thing in there. This does not exist in a vacuum. It doesn't. It exists next to a campaign with toddlers. That's what it exists next to. That's as a result of defendants' misconduct, it says members of the public, including the news media, have falsely and horrifically associated Balenciaga with the repulsive and deeply disturbing subject of the court's decision. These defendants are just going to point to together photo shoot and be like, what did you say now? What? Tell me again that it was this that's the problem. They go on to say defendants are liable to Balenciaga for all harm resulting from this false association. Oh, we got a causation issue. Please take further notice that relief sought by this action is monetary damages plus interest. Please take further note that upon your failure to appear, judgment will be taken and no less than $25 million signed all the things. So we have to take a look at the Supreme Court decision that they are vehemently fighting against, vehemently fighting against, because it is this image with the one purse on the quarter of the Supreme Court decision that has caused all of these issues. That's the allegation. They approved the photo shoot because it ended up on their website. So how are they going to sue for breach of contract? I don't know. So as we get into this case, I am not going to get into all of the detail, but enough of the detail that I think is important. This Supreme Court case, United States versus Williams, involves a defendant who pled guilty to the online solicitation and offering of illicit images of children. In the plea, he reserved the right to challenge the statute that makes this illegal. And so there was much talk about whether the talking, not the creating of images, not the selling of images, not the stuff we saw in the Duggar case, but the talking about the images, offering for sale, or soliciting by the images, whether that speech is protected speech under the First Amendment. And the Supreme Court was like, no, no, nope, no, nope, nope. Um, that's illegal speech. It's not protected by the First Amendment. Advertising for sale or asking for these types of images is not protected speech. You can go to jail for it. You're going to jail for it. So. That's kind of the procedural posture of this case. It, it went all the way, obviously, all the way through. The 11th Circuit went, yeah, actually, that might be a problem. That might be free speech. That's how it ended up at the Supreme Court, because the 11th Circuit overturned the lower court's decision. The underlying fact scenario, given the photos that we have discussed with the Bears, causes one pause. 
because this is one case that was decided, you know, at the 11th Circuit back in 2006, and then by the Supreme Court in 2007, and then ended up in the registrar in 2008. This is not a newer case. This is a case I had never heard of. This is not a... a, a, I don't know how this particular case ends up being the one pulled. So I am looking first at the 11th Circuit case because that's where we're getting some of the fact scenario because this is what's underlying the Supreme Court case. And then we will go to the languaging of the Supreme Court case. So with this, we are getting relation to an April 26th undercover chat room operation. A special agent entered the chat room using a screen name. The screen name is shortened in this court case to LNM. They observed public messages being posted with a sexually graphic screen name, um, which was later traced to defendant Williams. Williams' messages suggested that he had, quote unquote, good pics of a toddler that he was the father of and would swap for your toddler pics or live cam. Look, look, I told you it was disturbing stuff. I am going to keep it as less detailed as I can. This goes into more detailed uh, descriptions of images I am not going to. But as they talk about what are quote unquote good and non-good images, they started swapping non specifically suggestive images, which is very common in the world of images of children, which is why when people say, do not put children or images of your young children on the internet, it's because people will take non-suggestive photos that are not illegal and swap them in these circles and corners of the dark web. It is a it, it, law enforcement trying to stem the tide of these images is, is, I don't know, like somebody with an umbrella in a hurricane. This is, this is stuff that goes on. I think it's important to discuss, but the swapping of the non-explicit images that are not illegal, like a photo of a kid in a bathtub on its own is not illegal. Um, there are things that can make that illegal, but that's why there's also statutes regarding asking for those images because the images that are non-suggestive don't fall under the definition of illegal images. This is so difficult to talk about. So there are statutes like this that soliciting those images in this context makes the conversation asking for the images illegal when the underlying images themselves would not be illegal. Does that hopefully make sense? So it's to target when you can't target the images to target the behavior that's seeking the images. Because when people are trading images online, this can be a lead into whether that person's a cop, whether this person isn't a cop. And this is where some of the conversation around Balenciaga's images come from. Are those images images that would get swooped into being illegal? No. Are they in this realm of photos that people can use as suggestive? I think yes. I think yes. So. I'm going to continue. We're going to continue. We're going to make this small on the screen because there is stuff I'm going to move over. The undercover officer exchanged private chat message where they were swapping non-suggestive non images. Um, the defendant 
provided images of three-year-olds on couches, in bathing suits, um, in non-sexualized poses. Again, this is kind of the lead-in to that. The undercover then used images to send back that were of somebody who had been digitally altered to look younger because the police aren't trading straight-up images that are an issue. Um, then the, after the initial exchange, there was, you know, asking for harder core photos and describing what they meant by harder core photos in graphic detail. When the undercover did not provide those, the person said, you're a cop. And then the cop accused the other person of being a cop. And then to prove they weren't a cop, Williams posted, um, the explicit photos didn't plead to that, took a plea deal to the lesser charge, but posted the illicit images. The um, children in those images ranged in age from 5 to 15. Um, and those were illegal images. They got a search warrant. They seized hard drives. The hard drives had more images. Um, and many, this is a line from the court's decision. Most of the images depicted prepubescent children in sadomasochistic conduct. That is the description of the images in this case. And then the discussion of whether the asking about the images falls under the, um, falls under the First Amendment protections or not. But when you look at the conduct in this case, this is the conduct, not all types of this illegal images, involve sadomasochistic images. But when you're looking at this in context with the other Balenciaga photos, I can understand why people are like, what the ever-loving fuck is this? I don't think a lot of people deep dive back to the 11th Circuit, the underlying fact scenario of the Supreme Court case, but I was a state-level prosecutor. I want to know the facts first in the case. Then we will get to the discussion of whether the law is protected by the First Amendment. But I want to know what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about. So I can understand why Balenciaga is freaking the fuck out over this. Because if anybody, us law nerds, looks more deeply at the underlying fact pattern, what you see is children of the same ages in, or some of the Balenciaga children truly look younger to me, um, in holding bears that are dressed in BDSM harnesses. So I can understand why the internet's pissed because it's not just the case. Nobody would look deeper on that case if it weren't for the other ad campaign. So that's, if you're like, why is the internet mad? This is why the internet's mad. This is why I'm mad. I, I understand. If, if for some, in some way, this is all a crazy fluke and a crazy coincidence, and these were just some random documents from a prop house, then, then I will be, I, I, I don't know. How does that how does that happen? How does that happen? When things are too coincidental, it feels like they're not a coincidence. Maybe it is. 
but I can understand why so many are saying that it's not. And when Balenciaga is suing, saying people are drawing this association because of these photos, well, it's also because of your your other photo shoot. I don't know how. I don't know how that lawsuit is going to progress much. I just, sometimes things are too coincidental. The 11th Circuit goes at length into the pattern that people use to to solicit and share these images online. It's more than you ever want to read. It's probably more than you ever want to know. We got into some of it with the Duggar case. It's difficult to examine the things in society that are damaging to those most vulnerable that go on so freely. Um, And that law enforcement is woefully understaffed to deal with and that all of the wonders of technology have made even harder to enforce. But when you're looking at fashion campaigns that are leaning in, this is my opinion, leaning in to images that are going to elicit this type of reaction, I can understand why people have said, this is enough. This is not fashion being edgy. These are children and this is inappropriate. That's not edgy for the sake of being edgy. That's not fashion. That's a huge fucking problem. But the lawsuit image is not the biggest problem. When searching for this particular Supreme Court case from the registrar, it is not widely available in registrar format, the format that's in the photo. It is not widely available in that format in the way that it is in the photo. In the photo, it doesn't have the final number in the, um, in the, it's so late that I'm recording, in the citation. It doesn't have the last uh, digits in the citation. It is, it, I don't know where they would find it. I don't know where they would have pulled that from. I don't know why that would be a, the case that people would choose. Um, look, if y'all want to know what to use in photo shoots, use the Onion's amicus brief. Just use that one. Just use that one. Go ahead. It's about parody and the First Amendment. Just maybe that one. Or maybe don't use Supreme Court cases. There's a case we read in law school that was about a DUI on a horse. And the judge wrote the entire opinion in iambic pentameter. Maybe that, maybe use that one. Maybe use that one. It starts with a horse of a, is a horse, of course, of course. It's cheeky. It's not causing anybody any harm. And it evaluates real questions of, of drunk driving and what happens if the horse is sober. Look, there are, there are lots of court cases to choose from. Um, I don't know how anyone picks this court case and goes, yep, that's okay. That's the court case that we want to use. How how do you get there? When you pull up this Supreme Court case and you just get into the opening syllabus, it makes it very clear the subject of this case. The syllabus is literally, after this court found facially overbroad a federal statutory position criminalizing the possession and distribution of material 
pandered as child pornography, regardless of whether it actually was that Ashcroft versus Free Speech Coalition, Congress passed the pandering and solicitation provision at issue 18 U.S.C. 2252A sub A3B. Respondent Williams pleaded guilty to this offense and others, but reserved the right to challenge his pandering convictions constitutionality. The district court rejected his challenge. The 11th Circuit reversed, finding the statute overbroad under the First Amendment and impermissibly vague under due process. That's the syllabus at the very beginning. That's not in deep legal speak. You know exactly what this case is about. I don't think most people look at that and go, that's just a free speech case. It's free speech in a context. And it's not hidden meaning. So, I don't know what you what we think. What do you guys think? I want to know what you think. Let me know in the comment section of the YouTubes. Um, and you know, be law nerds. We're gonna we're gonna have a discussion. It it's too coincidental. It's too coincidental for me to not be like this is strange. The Supreme Court case is an is an interesting case, but it evaluates difficult topics. That is the purpose, literally, of law. We evaluate difficult things. Um, and it's interesting watching the law work. It worked through this case. The court found that there was a statute that, or there was a ruling that was overbroad. The court overturned that ruling and said that ruling is overreaching. And Congress was like, oh, we write laws. Uh, that should be illegal. So we're going to write a law that is tailored to that because that should be illegal. And that truly is the way our system should work. If the court finds something to be unconstitutional, Congress can say, hey, we can do that better and do it again. And that is what happened with the underlying code section that is still in effect today. So that is the takeaway on how the Supreme Court works. They obviously you can't agree to illegal. You can't just solicit illegal things. It's not protected by speech. I want to know what you think about it. Thank you for having the hard conversations with me over here on the podcast. Again, a thank you to our sponsors. Really, between the sponsors and the members on YouTube and on Patreon, it allows me to tackle topics that I know are not going to just be super YouTube-friendly, but are important nonetheless. I know I've said that multiple times in this episode, but I truly am thankful to be able to evaluate things that are more difficult and can be, I mean, it's uncomfortable to talk about. It's hard stuff to talk about. And there is a very big part of me that, uh, doesn't want to subject all of you to these, not just these rulings, but the things that are going on that are underlying the outrage here, the things that were going on in the underlying facts of this court case, the things that were going on in the Duggar case, because I know how much that can impact you when that's what you're, when that's knowledge that you have. It's like, shit, people are doing this. Fucking hell. Um, I think that summarizes summarizes being a criminal prosecutor really well. It's like, I, fuck, really? That's what's happening? Um, and you can't unsee it. And I don't always want to, to open that door for all of you if you hadn't known some of the ways these things happen. But again, this is part of the public discourse. And I think that the law nerds are a highly intelligent group that already knows. And even if you don't know, you're like, no, I need, I want to know. I want to understand what's happening underlying the stories that are in the news. And I very, very much appreciate you for being willing to have the uncomfortable and the hard conversations 
about, well, today about illicit images of children and whether an ad campaign was leaning into that intentionally to what? To drive sales of purses? I, I just, I, where do we go from there? Um, and it seems that society has said, oh, what we're not doing is this. But we'll see if any more celebrities speak out. We'll see if there is outrage outside of the public being outraged. Um, we'll see if other brands say we're not working with that brand. I don't, I haven't seen Adidas say anything. They just had a collab with them. They have to be worried about it. Adidas has to be worried about it and having conversations internally. We'll see how the PR campaign continues. And speaking of PR campaigns, over on the YouTube this week, I'll also be covering the appeals from Amber Heard and her amicus, which I have not covered at the time of reporting this yet. We will see how much of a PR campaign that is. And with that, again, thank you for being a law nerd. Thank you for being here. And I will talk to you in the next one. I didn't even do the outro. Emily, pull it together and do the outro. May your family be well. Go give them all a hug and be like this podcast. I need a hug. I need my comfort pet or, or coffee mug, whatever you choose. Hugs. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your families be well. May your leftover pumpkin pie still be delicious and may the odds be ever in your favor. I will talk to you in the next one.